It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Podcast like it. Podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999 podcast like it's you on the podcast like it's 1999 hello and welcome to podcast like it's 1999 the podcast where we talk about movies from 1999 from our purchase here in 2018 i am one of your hosts kenny nybart and I am Phil Isco. And today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> that's him. That's, that's his voice. <laughs> yes, the melodic baritone of Todd Vanderwerf. Great to be here. Great to have you. He's a. Uh, how would you describe you? Uh, I'm the critic at large at Vox.com. Uh, so I write about TV and movies mostly, but sometimes also people doing terrible things because <laughs> that's life. Yeah. Now. Especially now. Especially yeah. now. Yeah. Less so yeah. in 99. People were yeah. doing great things. Less so in 99. Yeah, I mean, I, I, not to blow smoke up your ass, Todd, but you are, without a doubt, one of my favorite uh, critics out there. Well, thank you so much. Likewise. I appreciate, it. I appreciate Likewise. That. We feel very fortunate to have you on this podcast. Definitely our most legitimate guest. I think yes. thus far. Yes. We've, we, yes, I fully, fully agree. Yeah, we're Someone gonna, that actually can, you know, talk to us intellectually, uh, rather than just us waxing poetic about I, shit. I like to lend a certain level of prestige everywhere <laughs> I go. It's like, it's, you know, that's, yeah. that's the goal. That's, the, that's how I describe you. I'm the, uh, the Tom Hanks of movie podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I show up yeah. and I'm like, the, hey. Wow. Well, yeah, you're you know, the prestige if, TV version of uh, what we're looking for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when, you know, I mean, we look for a Gary Sinise level over here, but if we can get <laughs> Hanks, that's yeah, great. I mean, yeah. So, And I uh, personally am... Ever since Phil told me you wanted to do Blair Witch, mm. I've Which been is dying the, to ask you this question. The movie that we are doing this week is That's Blair right. Oh, Blair Project. Witch. Yes, there's Just so much to say about it. Blair yeah. Witch, which you saw when you downloaded the podcast. Um, <laughs> there's The question I've been dying to ask you is, 
why Blair Witch? I I I'm I'm I was confused and interested, and I'm, I'm really excited to hear this. Uh, the, why why all the movies in '99? That's the movie you wanted to. Come it was on and one talk of about. them. Todd yeah, did I bring d- up a couple. Other I brought up some others, but then I think I think the last one I was like, oh, Blair Witch Project. Yeah. I got to do that one. Like, and I felt very strongly in that yeah. moment. Uh, like I have a number of reasons for this, uh, personal, professional, etc. But I think I guess kind of the number one is if you're looking for influential movies from 1999, it's basically this and The Matrix yeah. in terms of like what has seen the greatest reach. Um, I like in the summer of 99, I was this was the movie I was super into that people, other people really? were super into like Phantom Menace or whatever. Sure, I was just keyed in on. I'd read the Sundance reports. Right, right, right. I knew it was coming. I went and looked at the website. I watched yeah. the sci-fi documentary. Like by the time I got to the movie, I was a little disappointed by it. Like I knew I liked it, but I wanted to like it a lot more than I had. So I felt about Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? Because obviously in the research. I read a lot about the marketing campaign. And, mm-hmm. and the marketing is also influential in its own right. I mean, right. It, it changed the way that movies are marketed. Um, and, and people were disappointed. They felt like the marketing trumped the, the movie's right. actual. And I'm, we can talk about that in a second. But the other movie that I remember thinking that the marketing was too successful for was AI. Oh, sure. It had a really interesting mm-hmm. marketing campaign that alluded to a much more interesting sort of world building in terms of this sort of people versus robots and all that and basically none of that was really in the movie for all intents right. and purposes so this kind of had a, a similar vibe I mean I looked I remember looking at the website back in 99 uh, I did and, too. and there were some stills online from it and I mean it's obviously it's a it's a pretty budget website yeah. now but. it's still maintained is it? Yes, it's still, oh, I didn't it's go still maintained. You could still find the original, like in the yeah. bowels of the current website. Really? Yeah, yeah. that's really funny. By, by Eduardo Sanchez, one of the directors. Yes, indeed. So, excuse me, Todd. So you said there were a couple of reasons, right? So. Uh, and <clears throat> and you know, the professional one, of course, is the influence, and the, the kind of the personal one is I was uh, spent a lot of that summer chatting with a, a girl online about mm-hmm. the Blair Witch Project, and now mm-hmm. I'm married to her. So like, <laughs> that's amazing. yeah, like and like one of the big things that we first discussed was when was the Blair Witch Project going to get to South. Dakota, where we both lived, mm-hmm. because it took forever to get there. Really? Um, yeah, because they, they they platformed it a little. They bit, right? platformed it, and that was, I think, part of it is that like the audiences that got it first, and like the audiences yeah. that turned it into this. Oh, it's this is the scariest movie of all time. Were people who like were looking for something really different, mm-hmm. um, and by the time it got to South Dakota, like yeah. where we were still like, Scream is great. I love Scream, but Scream's you know, movie. Yeah, Scream, Scream is uh, Scream is very different from this movie. We yeah. can talk about Scream if you want instead. <laughs> I but I do lo- think that they're both not to whatever. But I do think they're both movies that are hyper aware of the genre that they're yeah. a part of mm-hmm. and the deconstructing of that in extremely different, totally ways, different. Ways. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. absolutely. But I just think it's there is there are some similarities if you really want to look for them. So well, that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. another question I was going to ask just to kind of give context for you and your. Life. So in '99, you were in South Dakota. That's right. where you grew up. Right, right. That was I grew up in a very small town in South Dakota, mm-hmm. uh, named after the man who started uh, Armor Meatpacking, better known for Armor Hot Dogs now. Okay. Um, and uh, our our high school our high school fight song is uh, was the Armor Hot Dog song. Um, Every, so, which everybody knows. Yeah, no, you don't have, have to sing it for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could not have less knowledge of what be, you're talking about. I used about. to be an Armor Hammer wiener. That's the, Isn't that Oscar Mayer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, hot dogs, Armor Hot Dogs. What kind of kids love Armor Hot Dogs? I don't that's, want you to have to pay royalties for it. That's amazing. 
That's uh, all right. <laughs> no, but uh, we got a pretty big budget. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> this is worth the download. Just that, yeah. Yeah. Just, just to sing that. That's where yeah, I'm yeah. But uh, I, I was kind of getting into horror at that time because okay. nineteen ninety, like the nineteen nineties, were probably the worst decade for horror, just in terms of number of releases, number of good releases, yeah. and like I saw Scream and was like, I really like that. I want to see more stuff like that, and it was hard to find. Um, Do you feel like this movie? And we'll talk about this obviously more as well. But like this movie. Change that too. Yeah. In terms of horror, it made the the budget, quote unquote, the low budget horror movie became so much more plausible after this movie happened. And it also changed the idea of Sundance being a hotbed for right, horror. Like right, every right. year now, there's a Sundance horror movie. Like that's interesting. The Witch was one this year. It's something called Hereditary. Yeah, um, people are talking about that right now. And yeah. like this was kind of the first Sundance horror movie. And like the buzz about it came out of movie critics who saw it at midnight screenings. Mm-hmm. And like the best place to see this movie is at midnight. Oh, I'm sure in uh, Park City, Utah. Yeah, you know, sure. when you walk out and you're surrounded by trees. Right? <laughs> sure, sure. Surrounded by witches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit just about some context for the movie, if that, yeah. makes, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, the Blair Witch Project was written, directed, and edited by Daniel Merrick. Am I saying Merrick? I think, sure. and Eduardo Sanchez. You know, I generally do look up the pronunciation I online. Think it's Not a lot of people are saying his name nowadays. So it was very hard Ooh, to find. Already throwing shade at uh, Daniel that's not, Mirror? That's not what I mean. I'm that's kidding. not what I mean. I'm kidding. That's I not what I mean, Daniel. He's definitely listening to this podcast because he has a Google book. alert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, Daniel and Eduardo uh, conceived a fictional legend of the Blair Witch, uh, which does parallel a real legend, if I'm not mistaken. Sort of, maybe. Anyway, uh, developed a 35-page screenplay with the dialogue to be improvised. Mm-hmm. Casting call was uh, – there was an advertisement for Backstage Magazine. They pre- prepared the three actors, Heather Donahue. Joshua Leonard and Michael Williams both got the all got the roles, and the film entered production October 1997. Principal photography took place over eight days in mm. Maryland, um, a, a short period of time, um, and uh, about 20 hours of footage were shot and edited down to 82 minutes. Mm. And we should talk as we get into this about the way this movie was shot, which is crazy. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think what people don't realize about this film is um, how much thought and care, mm-hmm. how much planning Agreed. was put into this movie. I think people think of it as a, literally like a student film yeah. Yeah. that they just got lucky. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think that at all. I, I have fully agree about that. that. I think that this was, this was a very well-thought-out production from beginning to end, not necessarily to the mm-hmm. extent, you know, we're going to take to Sundance and then yeah. make $250 million worldwide. But it does feel like a more of a sociological experiment than it does a film in a lot of ways. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, an art it's, film. It is. It's, it's, it's absolutely film, an art film. It, it, was, it was never really meant to be exhibited the way it was. And we'll but the actors were too. like rats in a maze for all intents and purposes that they right. filmed. I mean, right. they created yeah. through, you know, they, they literally had sort of, they used GPS to like move them around. They like fucked with these kids for eight days, basically. They gave and, them less and less food less over food. the course of, yeah, it's Made funny. them, you know, kind of nuts. This I is mean. the third film we've talked about now. And there, there are three extremely different films. But the third film we've talked about now where I, I feel like the director's Abuse their actors. <laughs> what was the What was the third one? Well, I this think is no, the third one. I, I think this is the third one. Eyes wide shut. Eyes shut's the first. Obviously, <laughs> they, 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 were, they, were, they were literally abused. <laughs> right. And uh, Notting Hill. I think that what there was very light abuse of Julia Roberts. That's insane. That's not really what I meant, but I mean like <laughs> I, we, we talked about this where Julia yeah. Roberts. I felt like it was her life yeah. that was being put uh, on screen in a way that's very unusual and somewhat uncomfortable. Right. Uh, the results were obviously. 
fantastic. But here, yeah, as we this get into it, this is pretty different than that. But I know what you're getting at. Literal abuse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but psychological abuse. But I think it's kind of a different story in this. In this yeah, situation. I mean, I think that it's. I mean, it's. It's very interesting to sort of so the actors were equipped with a CP16 and a Hi8 video camera provided by the cinematographer. So it's also interesting too. I'm not really sure that you can call Neil Fredericks the cinematographer of this movie right. since he didn't film any of it. But we can run with split hairs, but whatever. Well, uh, he's the guy who worked at Best Buy. He's just the, <laughs> he's the guy that got sold. Yeah, they got the cameras. Yeah, yeah. and that's he got uh, credit out of it. It's and the cast clear. were given clues as to their next location through hidden messages inside thirty-five millimeter cans left in milk crates with <laughs> GPS. I mean, it's it's crazy what they did, but it was it's really successful. I think also, and you just you you can't stress this enough how key the casting is in this movie. Like these three kids felt so fucking real. Yeah. Like rewatching it again, I was like. That's catching lightning in a bottle in so many ways. Because yeah. if they don't feel real, this documentary just doesn't work. And it's a testament to, I mean, Heather Donahue, and unfortunately, none of them had careers after it. It was impossible for them Josh to Josh does. Josh Leonard does some acting. Does he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Then I, I, my apologies, Josh. And I've seen Heather Donahue pops up every so often in TV guest spots. And oh, stuff. she does. Yeah, Michael okay. Williams is kind of the one who. Yeah. He's apparently a high school guidance counselor now. You know what Heather Donahue's day job is? She's a marijuana farmer. Marijuana farmer. That's right. <laughs> naturally. I mean, obviously, yeah, right? Naturally. Uh, so um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about how this movie was sold. It was. We were sort of talking a little bit uh, about the Sundance Film Festival and how that was obviously key to this movie's release. Uh, premieres at Sundance January 25th, 99, during a promotional marketing campaign, listed the actors either missing or deceased. They did a whole sort of thing. And then apparently an exec went missing in real life around that time. So they had to pull all of those missing oh, wow. things because they felt like it was offensive, hmm. which is understandable. But yeah, the person was found, know. though. The person- I could separate art from real life. Give me a break. Oh, really? You want to get into that argument? Not really. Well, uh, so owing its another success- Another podcast. Wait till the next Kevin Spacey movie. Oh, boy. Or what Woody Allen. Boy. Anyhow. So, um, so- <laughs> take it away. Uh, Artisan buys the movie. For $1.1 million, uh, it was released on July 14th, 99, before expanding to a wider release on July 30th. Uh, and the critical reception was pretty positive. Right. The audience reaction, not so much. And I didn't realize that until doing research on the film now, how when much people hated it? it. I saw it opening weekend. You saw it opening weekend? Yeah. I saw it much late. I saw it in the theaters, but I saw it after the buzz had I saw it opening weekend. Yeah. And I, I was... I think like you, Todd, and like I know, like you, Phil, where I was obsessed with this idea online too. Right? Sure, um, it was just it was just sneaking up, and obviously, this whole summer had so many movies that were so exciting. Yeah, th- to go see. Um, Did you but, for a second believe it was real? No, but I knew by then, Todd. I, I no, I think that I had read. I think that I had read like an Entertainment Weekly article or something about right. Sundance where they were like, and it was cleverly marketed as if it was real, but it wasn't real. Okay. Um, but I wanted it to be real. You know, like there was that thing of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember especially the sci fi, they did like an hour long documentary that was just like the Blair Witch mythos that they had cooked up, which was really cool. Like it's a very kind cool. of yeah. cool horror, little horror yeah. story. And I just was very much like, I know this isn't true. I've seen the actors on the cover of magazines, uh-huh. but. Boy, wouldn't it be great if they were all dead right now? (laughs) Well, her her, apparently her mother still gets sympathy cards from people thinking that she's dead. I mean, it's 
there's, I mean, I was reading what this. What about Michael and Josh's moms? Oh. Uh, there's, here's what's amazing. So I read there was a Heather Donahue interview in GQ actually relatively recently in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And she said, there are still people that think me, Mike, and Josh are actors that were hired to cover up that the Blair Witch Project was actually a snuff film. That those kids are actually dead and Josh, Mike, and I were hired so they could get away with releasing it as a film. Wow. That, so you got a one. Bad you got a one at that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to do some gymnastics to get there. Yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, it, it's so the reason I ask is because my agent told me an amazing story about how he saw the film for the first time. He was working at UTA at the time and video cassettes were just basically everything, right? And you didn't have DVD and all that sort of stuff. And he was an assistant at the time. And someone in the feature departments gave him a just a blank black video cassette and say, can you watch this and let me know what you think? So he watched it thinking it was a, the guy said, will you watch this documentary and let me know what you think? And again, this was before, this was, I imagine part of whatever, but like, there's no credits on this thing. You just pop it in and he literally like shit a brick watching this thing, thinking that it was actually the real thing, which I imagine has to be the best possible way to watch this movie. Definitely. Because I, you know, it, it's just it would literally make you reevaluate everything. You know what the it's second fantastic. best way to watch it is? Mm, tell me. In 2018, <laughs> with your kids, when you're so far removed from all that stuff, and yeah, you can yeah. appreciate yeah. just how good it is at its core. Because at the I time, agree. I don't think people could appreciate it. Totally agree with you. So uh, I, I definitely like it. Came out where I lived a week after that mm. July 30th date because mm-hmm. South Dakota gets things always gets things late way way late uh, yeah sure. so by then the news on it had turned like the stories of like motion sickness people were getting yeah, and watching right, right. it and all this stuff was out there and so when I went there was already this hostility toward this oh, movie that like if you don't go in this is one of those movies where you really have to buy in oh yeah for it to work because mm-hmm. There are so many little things you can see around the side, but yeah, yeah like I, it, 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 it just got it got buried by its own hype in some ways. But I, don't know. I mean, it's it, it to your point. I think that being able to watch it now without all the bullshit, you get to see how pure a movie it is. Right? You know what I mean? Like it's just, and I can understand, and I, I do remember leaving the theater and thinking, well, that was cool. And I went with a bunch of friends, and we all thought it was cool. And we all thought the ending was great. And I found it really surprising to read now how many people were unsure whether or not that ending was going to play, like the final shot was going to work, and them sort of shooting other endings and, right. and having to sort of backfill an explanation to, to, the, shot, to the final shots that people understood why he was looking at the which wall. Which they did. At the end, they, which they, they did. did they, do that, yes. they did some reshoots. So like – but it's just very interesting to me how well that final moment plays. People still talk about that moment, right. and it's not gory. It's just it's just it's just horrifying because you're you're imagining what it could possibly be. And every the two sequels to this movie, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, both mm. try to do that moment and just I've botch not seen either it of them. utterly. They just screw it all to hell. What is the just for what it's worth? Because I don't even really know the synopsis of this of the Book of Shadows, which was the the legitimate sequel right. to it and then the reboot was two years ago if I'm not mistaken yeah 20, yes 2016 so the, the I haven't seen the second one since it came out so okay. I don't quite I read the Wikipedia plot summary for it sure so, sure sure um, <laughs> and it's like it's kind of a weird experimental like movie about like it was made by Joe Berlinger who's best known for making documentaries yes so it was, it was basically a great documentary yeah, yeah. yeah it was basically kind of this like weird experimental idea of like what is 
What would happen if you were making a documentary of a conventional horror sequel to the Blair Witch Project? It had way wow. too many layers to work. That's but if, a meta shit right there. If they had pulled it off, it would have been really impressive, but there was just too much going on. And yeah. the 2016 Blair Witch, which I think is actually a, a worse movie than Book of Shadows, even though Book of Shadows is like a more obviously terrible movie. Okay. Um, but what the, is that? What is the? What's that? I know it's about the brother going to try yeah, to find Heather. Yeah, it's the cousin of Heather tries to go and find her. And okay. it really, what it really tries to do is, it tries to up the ante in terms of like, there are characters who disappear and when they come back, they look like they're decades older, you know, like, it really tries to up the ante mm. in terms of supernatural stuff. Like, the thing about horror is that the sequel is always going to show more, mm-hmm. and the first Blair Witch showed nothing. Yeah. So by default, anything is going to be more, but it's also going to be disappointing. Yeah. So. I think that's why you can't sequel this movie. You know that that yeah. movie made a lot of money off its budget. At a budget of five million dollars, made forty five million dollars at the box. That's office. the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it, yeah, that's a success story. It's shocking yeah. to me. I mean, like the, I the, think the brand has legs, uh, ish. What well, I mean, ish. it does. It, it does. does. That's, I mean, I don't mean that. That's true. I, I mean, more in terms of like what people think of it in terms of I mean I know it spawned novels and dossiers and comic books and all sorts of merch but I don't know I don't know who's really excited about it I think that when people think about this movie I think it's very simple okay people think this is the, the first mainstream found footage movie yeah and because of that we have all these found footage movies today and as, outside of sure. that the legacy is very limited people, well the legacy is also it's it's enormous box office success. Mm-hmm. The box office, the marketing campaign, those are kind of secondary things. But really it's this idea to me that spawned found footage, which, you know, as you know, has gone on to be used with movies like Paranormal Activity and Chronicle mm-hmm. and um, – But I think – I mean not, not to not – to, Cloverfield. Not to sort of whatever, but as an industry, this is a money-making venture, right? right. So you look at a movie that had a – we're saying, let's just say, a $60,000 budget. Mm-hmm. I know the numbers have sort of played around a little bit. We'll say 60 and made almost over $250 million worldwide. You look at that number, and if you're anyone in this business, you're like, this thing means something to a lot of people, for good or for bad. So there's a part of it that's like, you keep your overhead low, you make a $4 million Blair Witch reboot, you're, you're going to make money off of that. Mm-hmm. It's just Book of Shadows, I believe, had a significantly higher right. budget, which is why they got burned. So to your point, I think like... I think we're both saying the same thing a little bit. You know what I mean? You're saying, you know what I mean? Two different things, but like two two valid legacies. Ways ways into this legacy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they released Book of Shadows at the peak of people hating the first movie. Like they they hit it at a point where everybody was like just just mad at it. It's like when the Han Solo movie comes out and inevitably disappoints a little bit, people are going to say, oh, it's because everybody hated the last Star Wars, which is wrong because it's great. But Yeah, um, Yeah, it is great. (laughs) But yeah, like it was was kind of that environment was everybody hated Blair Witch Project in October 2000 when the second one came out and it it just – it didn't have a prayer. It is really interesting though how – and we've talked about this and I'm sure we will expound upon it as we continue down this road of 99 movies, but like – the cinema score thing to me feels like such a we- and now we're in a rotten tomatoes environment too right. where you're these metrics aren't great barometers of the masses i mean you look at the cinema score and again i didn't know this when i went to see it but uh female viewers 35 and older gave it a d minus mm. uh male viewers in the same age bracket gave it an f i mean people really hated this movie mm-hmm. and i had no idea 
Now, you also have to ask yourself, $250 million, that's repeat business. People are mm-hmm. going to – I mean, you said it yourself. You saw it a couple times. I saw it times. twice. I saw it twice in theaters, yeah. So you don't get to 250 without people seeing this thing a couple times. So it's the whole thing's kind of baffling to me. It is. It's, it's, it's really hard to square, this, all, square all these things yeah. um, that you're saying right now. It's, it's, it's very interesting. It is. It's, look, it's a unicorn. In our, in our business, it's a unicorn. There's never been anything like it. There'll never be anything like it again. Um, all these, these these kind of flashpoints you're talking about, it was it was a mystery. It was beloved. It was hated. Yep. It, you know, as as Todd pointed out today on Twitter, and you know, <laughs> yes. this is going to be a month ago by the time you, you listen to this. <laughs> it was nominated for worst picture at the Razzies, and Heather yeah. Donahue actually won, which is absurd because Heather Donahue is she was great. One of the best. Like when we do our our re Oscars, she should be nominated for I'm best actress. I would dominate her, hundred yeah. percent. Um, and she has a, an amazing. I mean, we, quote. we did the Oscar. She's way better than Meryl Streep in Music of the Heart. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I mean, that's a that's a Jennifer pretty- Tear and Tumbleweeds. I mean, you know, it's like it's like. <laughs> she has an amazing quote uh, in that article that I was finding the GQ article. She says, "No size eight woman was playing the lead in dirty jeans with no mascara, with unwashed hair. No ingenue was willing to be so unfuckable. I was the most unfuckable ingenue to ever be in a blockbuster. But that was the thrill, the fuck you of it all. How could you say no to that? Nobody." wanted me to go into no one wanted to go into the woods with a bunch of strange guys how could you say no to improvising an entire feature without a stitch of makeup with layers of clothes and dirt and knives and nothing but a pile of rocks to scare you with and i i think that's kind of a great way of looking at it and i think she's going into it with this sort of like balls out who gives a fuck like this is going to be awesome yeah and you can read that in in, in mm-hmm. her performance her character ruled it she does she yeah. rules she starts it's 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 just it's great Sorry. like the iconic shot from this movie is her and yeah. she and she kills that scene. It's right, she, it's right there on our cover art. It's it's the, it's a prominent picture on our cover art. It's yeah. so iconic. She uh, she I mean she shot that herself. So <laughs> and and poorly they thought. Yeah. Because they the composition they were like oh, fuck she zoomed in too much. It's that's what's great about it. Really, I actually think the composition yeah. of it I, at first before I found out that she had fucked up the composition I was like oh this is so beautifully like and now I'm just like it's just. The whole movie's lightning in a bottle for all intents and purposes. And, and and the editing of it is also masterful because it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's tight. It's weirdly impressionistic at times. I mean, it really is an art film, as you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really think about this. Uh, I think about the, the Heather Donahue backlash in terms of the gender politics Ugh. of 1999. Yeah. Uh, the character I want to compare her to is the Annette Bening character in American Beauty, who uh, I, I think is, you know, like, I think I, I like American Beauty. I like <laughs> this movie. But a lot of people read that sort of like as, God, what a bitch. These yeah. two guys have to put up with this. And like, when you watch the movie now, it's like she's trying to keep them from being eaten by a witch. Like, yeah, she really know, is. And that, yeah. I mean, we, we will talk about the plot. Plot. I put that in quotation marks. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I do think that there are several legitimately heartbreaking moments in it yeah. that are punctuated by her, like by just seeing her slowly watch this thing get away from her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and because the other two guys are just too kind of stonerish, like whatever. And and the performances are great, but she's the one just trying to keep this thing on the rails. Her. It's all off screen too. Her reaction when yeah. Mike. Yes, acknowledges he yes. kicked the map into oh my the, God. Into it's the creek. Just, ugh. It's it's guttural. It's yeah. visceral. Yeah. It's it's so yeah. natural. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. mean, I, I do want to. I, I don't want to walk away from the kind of the gender politics. Yes, 
because it is a, f- a strong female lead, phenomenal, you know, just complex, interesting woman I, at the lead of this movie. Yeah, I think so too. And I was, you know, I think through the first half hour of the movie, that that was kind of the lens through which I was viewing this. You know, that's an unusual thing. The leader of this adventure is a woman. That's not necessarily something that was happening in 1999 a lot. The men are taking orders from her to some extent, but they're also, you know, busting her balls, you know, for kind of lack of a better term. Um, But she can, I mean, there's a little bit of her hanging with the guys too. For sure, for sure. That she can, that she can, you know, she can do it. Yeah, no, she, she, she does. And I just, I I don't know. I, I, I I don't really have a point to make as much as I wanted to start the kind of start the conversation about that and also about the way it was received in the real world. Cause I wonder if that was. Part of it, you know, I kept oh, reading over and over again um, yeah. how annoying she was. Yeah. Contemporaneous, her. yeah, contemporaneous yeah. reviews were yeah. she was annoying. Um, I didn't find her annoying at all. No, I found her charming. I, yeah. I did too. I don't know. I mean, you you rewatched it, yeah, relatively recently Today, as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I found her heartbreaking. Yeah, you know? this is a movie about somebody who wants desperately to create something yeah. great and like at every turn like she gets so close i know and then has it taken away from her and then she gets eaten by a witch like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically the disaster artist is what I'm saying. <laughs> i mean i think there's also yeah, some I think very... the witch ate himself but <laughs> you know it's very similar <laughs> i think there's a lot of very sort of there's a lot of think pieces about this movie um and i you know i read a fair amount of them coming into this but i do think that there is a lot of i think that eduardo and daniel really i mean maybe we're giving them too much credit i don't know but they really kind of looked inside this genre and really kind of i don't know crawled up inside and did some really interesting things with it there's a a great line that someone wrote um the draw of the blair witch project today isn't the familiar human desire to be afraid it's the first stranger's desire to be derealized at one point one of the characters says to heather i see why you like this video camera so much it's not quite reality it's like you can pretend everything's not quite the way that it is yeah and i think Again, mm-hmm. sort of a metatextual commentary on gender politics, on the horror genre. I mean, that's, this is that's not, the one line I pulled too. And oh, really? Yeah, and, yeah. and wrote my notes. Yeah, it's it's just there's, and I think again, this was not the first horror movie to have a female lead, and it certainly will not be the last. But I think that this one comes at it from such a fresh and interesting way. It's it, it's. I just didn't feel like it was repeating itself. Like I get that there are people that maybe wanted more scares or right. more gore and they were expecting something that was a little bit more visceral, but I found this movie quite visceral. They want they wanted to see it. You know, yeah, they wanted to see the yeah. witch and like that would have ruined the movie. Absolutely. Like, especially on the budget level they had. It just yeah. would have destroyed it. And like it's interesting to me that people hated Heather so much because the one horror trope everybody knows is the final girl. And yeah. Heather is the final, the final she's girl. She's the last one alive here. She's yep. She gets eaten by the witch, but yeah, it's 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 very interesting how and again that's sort of the, the the push and pull that exists. And again, why I think this movie is so special is that it's a listen. They shot all kinds of stuff. They talked about all sorts of different endings that had a lot more gore involved. They had you know there was talk of a giant stick monster running through the woods, like things that you're just like I'm thrilled we didn't see. Right. But I do think that push and pull of not wanting to kowtow to the genre and what people are expecting and also seeing an F score on the cinema score is not necessarily a surprise. Did you guys expect to have this reaction to this movie? To have to, have, to be having the conversation about what a almost, what, what an underappreciated gem this is when you, when you went into this? Uh, yes. 
I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we would be shitting on this movie, truthfully. Really? Like, really? Yeah, I did. I thought we'd oh, be shitting on it. I wasn't expecting it. that. I thought, I thought, yeah, I did. I thought we'd be shitting on it and shitting on found footage and saying. Um, well, I, I will certainly shit on the found footage genre. Off right. of this movie, I mean, we can because I we don't can do that. Yeah, I'm, I don't I'm think into what, that. I don't think what but, this is what, what this is has birth or what this what's birthed, it birthed. Yeah, yeah, has been particularly value, valuable. Though I do like some found footage movies. Sure, um, but no, I did not. I didn't expect this to be the conversation at all. So, which was I, which is why I was so confounded when you chose Blair Witch. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. that I thought you'd come in here to shit on a movie, like, huh? but just that I thought, well, there must be something there. That I'm not seeing. Yeah, no, I, I think that this movie's reputation has grown with time. I think that in I the totally almost agree. 20 years since, it's certainly a critical favorite. Like when, yes. when people were talking about when the when the new one came out in 2016, uh-huh. there was a lot of talk about how many movie critics found like the first one foundational, sort of yeah. either in their understanding of the genre or whatever. Uh, it has definitely become an iconic horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that iconic shot has become like this image that people mm-hmm. parody and return to again and again. Like its reputation is secure in a lot of ways, but also there is because of what it spawned. Because it's still basically the best found footage movie. <laughs> like Absolutely. there are very few that that even come close to it. Yeah. Um, because of that, and because of that immediate reaction, there is still that surprise when you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, this is really good. Like. It's just, I mean, not to be whatever, but like I found it just legitimately heartbreaking at times. I mean, you are watching it, – it is a horror movie. There was a great uh, great quote here. Uh, the Blair Witch Project is the one of the goriest movies ever. It's 81 minutes of nerves being slowly shredded before your eyes. Mm-hmm. You're watching these people slowly fall apart. And listen, I'm not a horror guy, so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I don't really like scary movies. I'm just not that guy. I know. <laughs> we're gonna watch when we some pl- when we literally planned to go see it. Yeah, I, I went bailed. to lunch. <laughs> I bailed. I was like, no, fuck like, this. You're like, I can't do it. I can't do, I can't this. do it. I, I was on the fence. I was like, yeah, yeah maybe I'll get. I gotta like, no, see. I gotta see this at home. Yeah, yeah, I gotta see this at home when I can fast forward for fucking Pennywise. Like, it's just not my thing. <laughs> but this movie, and I think that I'm drawn towards more psychological horror movies mm-hmm. than I am towards gory horror movies because I just I don't like them. But this movie. Is just, I mean, like we're going to do audition later. That's also a '99 movie. Which oh, you're going to love that, Phil. I've seen audition. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. I liked audition because, again, like that's a sure. psychological exploration of something. Yeah. I don't want to see a fucking menacing clown, a demonic clown. Like I just don't need that in my life. I get why people love it. It's just not my bag. This God, to I me, hope we have some menacing clown movie that we're, in '99. That <laughs> we've I'm got not, End of Days. Not, we've got Stigmata. We've got. Yeah. I mean, we don't. We don't all have apologies to Patricia and it actually speaks to well. To what you were talking about, how few horror movies there were in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. This was, and this really did birth a whole new generation. And watching this movie, one of the things that really hit me was it. It doesn't surprise me that a generation of filmmakers watched this film and said, well, "I can do that." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is what I, I mean. Lo-fi mm-hmm. horror movie that it just—it's totally doable. And now with digital and everything like that, and that's why you're seeing Chronicle. That's why you're seeing all of these things, paranormal activity and such. Those are, yeah. I, I personally, I have, I, I kind of have a fundamental problem with Chronicle and Cloverfield. Hmm. I don't understand how you could live. <laughs> all right, the whole, the whole idea behind found footage is that you find this footage, right? Yeah. But I would have known about the monster attack. 
I would have known about the Flying Boys. You know, so you wouldn't have just found this footage. It might have got on the news. It drives yeah. me. It just drives me nuts. It just drives me yeah, nuts that, that I'm supposed to watch this this movie. I mean, there's some that I think are actually. I mean, you can kind of call District Nine a found footage movie too in some respects. The thing that bugs um, me about these movies is, and not so much Cloverfield, but Chronicle for sure, which is who's filming it, right? I yeah. mean, it's just it's it's purely just a wait a second. Why is there a camera on these people? Sometimes they have to. They, they they come up with some reason. Like Chronicles, some guy just wants to film all day. That's kind of the, <laughs> the and, weakest of and answers. Pro, and Project X is some guy just wants to film all day. <laughs> and I think Cloverfield is some guy just wants to film all day. It's always just some yeah, guy wants to TJ film. Yeah, T.J. Miller just wants to film all day yeah. in Cloverfield. I, I do think that Cloverfield and this movie yes. kind of lean into something that increasingly the found footage uh, genre just doesn't care about, which is. Why is why do they keep filming? Yes, like that's a big question in this. That's a sort of a question in Cloverfield, which is sort of the next major found yeah. footage after this, and then people just stop caring. Well, Paranormal Activity. That's all. That's all security footage. Yeah, Paranormal Activity. I think is a great movie. Am I crazy here? I think. I, I think. I think if you are looking at, I know, I've the, never seen it. If you're looking at the best found footage movies, it's this, and it's Paranormal Activity one and three, and it's Cloverfield, and that's. It, I like three very much too. I think three is a great movie. I just think, yeah, I, I I want a reason for being with my found footage movies. I guess, and it works. Which isn't really asking too well. much. And I also, you know, when I talk to younger writers getting into it, this and Paranormal Activity are the movies where I just say, look, you have an iPhone and you have the world, right? Yeah. And there are people who use those two things. Tangerine is another example in its own a great weird movie. way. Mm-hmm. There are people who have used those things, an iPhone in the world, to make movies that made millions of dollars. Anybody can do it, and you know some some have successfully. So I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I think that it's the question in Blair Witch of why does Heather keep filming? They do kind of figure out a. I mean, at a certain point when they really start to get on each other's nerves, that's when like, why the fuck are you still filming this? Like, why are you still filming this? And then it becomes more about like the. Camera is a distraction yeah. from what they're going through, so I I bought into that. I, buy, I completely buy it, but Does, yeah, doesn't yeah. she say it's all I have left at some point? What well, basically? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then there you go. And when they turn it on her too, it's like the guys are just you know they need something to hold on to. I think that again, it comes back to that quote that we're you know, the derealization of it too, where it's like if I'm filming this, maybe it's not really happening to us. I would say that this, that was a criticism of the movie that came up in 1999. That yeah. feels silly now. Sure, sure, pe- sure. Now we know people just film whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, like yeah, everything. through everything. Yeah, yeah. they're meals at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's certainly. It's so funny to think about now. Like, I'm, if I'm just, being stalked by a witch, I'm going to film. It. Absolutely, <laughs> Get absolutely. You and everybody else. <laughs> well, it's like uh, I was watching. Uh, I watched the cold open of an episode of Nine One One today, and you might you might remember this episode, the mm-hmm. bouncy house opening. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> <laughs> it's something. Can you to be seen? I, I haven't seen this yet. Would you mind? Would you mind will, explaining? I will absolutely explain great it to detail. You. And no, not in great detail. Be, by, be very be, brief because moment. it has nothing to do with what we're well, talking I mean, about here. You know. Basically, it's a bouncy house uh, up in the Hollywood Hills, and the dad jumps inside the bouncy house, and the Santa Ana winds are blowing really, and the bouncy house flies off a cliff with the kids and the dad inside the bouncy house. Wow! And 
is by the way unresolved. Basically, <laughs> it's just it's just a cold open. You're like, and then they call nine one one. I'm it's missing like, out. Mm, maybe. Point is, that was just wild. That's exactly the kind of story I was hoping would be on nine one one. So when you have the, you have the, the big billboard to the guy falling out of the, the yeah, <laughs> you have no idea. It, it, it literally, it's like chitty chitty gangbang. It like just it flies I'm off. Sorry, into, what? Chitty chitty bang bang. You said chitty chitty gang. Oh, that's the porno <laughs> version. Which I worked at a video store, and that was one of those. No, keep going. Um, my apologies <laughs> to Disney. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a what common, it's a common Freudian slip. Yeah. But the reason I bring this up is because when the bouncy house takes off, there's a whole bunch of people filming it. Yeah. Because that's what you would do. Yeah, like Balloon Boy. You'd be like, Remember holy shit, I gotta get out my phone, I gotta record this. Yeah. So we're recording everything. It was a long way of getting to that. But. I just, I remember between Blair Witch and Cloverfield. Yes. And Cloverfield, like, the reviews of that are like, this is a commentary on how we film everything now. Cause like, it's true. by then, at least cell phone cameras, not like, not like filming, but taking pictures were yeah. like, mm-hmm. so common. And like, we'd realized that you give people a camera, they won't shut it off. And like, yep. so that, that is a criticism of the movie that has not worn particularly well, because now we know that people are, uh, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's. Uh, I'm going to yeah, give a synopsis do. of this movie. Do it, I guess, because we should before we talk about the the plot. I put that in quotation marks. <laughs> uh, found video footage tells the tale of three film students: Heather Donahue, Josh Leonard, Michael C. Williams, who travel to a small town to collect documentary footage about the Blair Witch, a legendary local murderer. And a witch, <laughs> not that. not so much a murderer, but a witch, <laughs> a legendary murderer. <laughs> That's such a weird way of putting it. Uh, I mean, anyway, uh, over the course of several days, the students interview townspeople and gather clues to support the tale's veracity. But the project takes a frightening turn when the students lose their way in the woods and begin hearing horrific voices. I mean, that's basically the. Gist Aren't of those it. townspeople great? Perfectly yeah. cast. Yeah. Some of them are real people, I think. Like yes, some, yeah, some of them are actors, and some of them people are like, "Do you want to be in our documentary?" Because you're creepy woman, looking. Yeah. Apparently, the woman with the baby made up the story on the spot. Really? Yeah. And apparently, Mary Brown. Yes. Who is outside the trailer? Yes. Uh, made up that entire story. That's her real trailer. There's a real house. She was the only person who answered like some weird casting call for college students, and she's like some 50 year old college student. Here's what I love about the woman with the baby: is that the baby keeps trying to tell her to stop yeah. telling the story, yeah. like. I mean, just perfect. That you're just like that. The kids, you want to interpret it that the kid's scared and doesn't want her to tell this story or whatever. But it's just little things like that that make it feel. I mean, again, not to 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 hit this too hard, but making a fake documentary feel like a real documentary is not an easy task. Extremely it's, hard. It's incredibly hard. Yeah, and they do it so well. Yeah, uh, and it, I imagine they got no credit for it with audiences, but that buy-in is huge. And if you don't, the whole thing falls apart. I think one of the reasons this movie was rejected is because it's too real. That's interesting. I think that something like Paranormal Activity, um, Paranormal Activity has famously been criticized because its ending goes very supernatural. Like yeah. Its ending goes like, here's the monster. How does it end? Sorry, I haven't seen it. Uh, basically, the, I, I, it's been a while, but uh, like the, the lead girl has yes. like a demon inside her. Oh, sure, sure. And like okay. she lunges at the camera in essence. So like eats the camera. Um, it's cool. it's kind cool. it's kind of silly. Like okay. that I'd say that's probably four fifths of a good movie and then the the last fifth goes off the, 
the and cliff. The, and the third one is about m- more of these demonic so monsters. So what happens is it becomes basically a, a franchise of family dramas. Um, oh, okay. It's about like the history of this demon in this family. The second one stinks, but the third one like flashes back to the eighties. So everything <laughs> is done with camcorders. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and they mount a camcorder on a fan, it's so it brilliant. turns back and forth. It's that's, it's that's one of the genius. most brilliant. Yeah, because yeah. it's because it, it, really it'll, cool. it'll 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 kind of vacillate one way and then yeah. come back and nothing will be there. Then do it again and a ghost will be oh, there. So that's really cool. But it's, I would I, so I would say that Paranormal Activity or even something like Cloverfield where. Those were like you, Lizzie Kaplan. Some of those actors weren't terribly well known, but you had seen them before. You could tell they were actors because they were attractive, mm-hmm. like actors mm-hmm. are. Um, like you, like that felt movie real, so that you were like, okay, I have that a degree of distance from it. Blair Witch, especially after you knew this didn't really happen, yep. you're like, okay, like there is that. It just it feels like. You really have to give into it, and mm-hmm. like you're going to resist that at every turn. Like I, I that's right. E- even today, as I was watching it, like that scene where Heather yells at Mike about kicking the, yeah. the map into the river, um, yeah. the creek is just like wrenching and hard yeah. to watch and and hard to take. And it's, um, yeah, it's it, there is not that level of remove that I think people expect to get from horror movies. I, I would I would agree with you. I think that there's also sort of. Um, archetypes in the sort of horror genre that I think this movie kind of bucks as well a little bit. These people feel, to your point, quite three-dimensional. They feel, again, documentary, feel Mm -hmm. very real. And I think that realism is uh, hard to watch, I think. it's it's. I mean, not to keep harping on the map scene, but it's the reason he's removed hope from them. He's taken the one thing that they, I mean, the map was useless to them, obviously at this point anyway, but it gave them a chance to believe that maybe they, they could get out of this. Mm -hmm. And, and who is he to remove that from them? Who is he to, to, you know, to throw that away? Um, is again, like these are, these are fucking heady things. Like there's, this movie is so much better than it gets credit for. For that, but just not to, Mm -hmm. to, to that end, um, you're with Mike too on it. You know, yes. they, they they do such a good job, all three of these characters, yes. these actors playing these characters. I totally understand why Mike was pissed off at that point. They walked 15 hours and <laughs> due south and wound My, up in the so same place. Is, you would have kicked the map into the creek? Is that what you're saying? Well, I know that the map was useless, but that's not the <laughs> point. I'm saying I know why I know why Mike kicked the map, and I know sure, why sure, Heather sure. was angry. And yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not holding anybody at fault here. Mm-hmm. I think these were pretty – And you know, even before that mm-hmm. – the way Heather defended her moves as the leader of this group, even though like they were some bad moves, she did get them lost, and she said, "I sure. know where I'm going." She defended them the way I would defend myself, mm-hmm. the way I would defend myself if I was walking you down yeah. um, the wrong path, mm-hmm. um, or the way I defend myself with my wife, <laughs> who's almost definitely not listening to this podcast. <laughs> she's not a Blair Witch fan. No, I don't think she's going to listen to the Blair Witch one. <laughs> She'll definitely be at uh, the the Runaway Bride or Double Jeopardy. No chance. <laughs> Here, I, I think that, again, one of the testaments to this movie is sort of the modulation of it as well. Mm-hmm. The fact that we start off with these kids uh, and, and, and you just – you like them. You want to hang out with them. They feel, they feel like people that you know. Uh, and they seem very excited to like do this kind of – I don't want to say goofy, but like to go on this little adventure together. And, and they seem excited to do so. Uh, because witches are fake. 
Like, I'm, I'm not, not this witch. No, but that's but the, like it, that's why that's why they're so excited because witches are fake. They're gonna. It's a lark. It's fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there is no danger to this, and this is something she does all the time. She has that great line at the end. What's your favorite thing to do? It used to be hiking in the woods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this it's is something true. she does yeah. all the time. Yeah. This is, it is going to be funny. There, there's the scene in the motel where they're drinking and they're, they're having a really good time together. There's there's a little bit of each other. Yeah. You know? And 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 you know. I, I know that there was talk in, in different cuts or different versions of this where Josh was going to have a re- be sort of have some exes, sort of relationship yeah. or exes with Heather. I'm glad they got rid of that, but there is a little bit of a charge there, and maybe I'm projecting, but I did sort of feel as though Heather that they care about each other, and there is some sort of I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's love or if it's like a sexual desire necessarily, but there's some sort of a, a, an electricity between these three characters for sure. Cor- correct me if I'm wrong on this because you've done all the research. This, this is something I remember from the movie being released, which is that the actors, Josh and Heather, couldn't stand each other. Yes. And that's why they removed Josh from the <laughs> yes. movie. Yeah. Yes. But I also love the fact that when they – so they were bickering a lot and originally he was the one that wasn't going to leave. It was going to be Mike that was going to get taken. But then Josh was – they were just like, these two are at each other. So we're going to get rid of him, and he was thrilled because he had tickets to Jane's Addiction. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is yeah, amazing. He's, she's he's like, a, "Fuck it, I'll go to this concert." Yeah, he's like, uh, "Who's the guy in Twelve Angry Men who just wanted to get to the Cubs game?" Yeah. <laughs> so he, he was just voting guilty, guilty, yeah, guilty. Just like, get us out of here! Oh, Jesus. the game's over. He's innocent now. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think that that first. I mean, I'm going to break it into acts, even though it doesn't really fall into acts. But that first third feels. It feels fun and exciting, and you're just like these kids are having a good time. And I think the film stock changes also really help it from a, in terms of sort of you know if it was all black and white or if it was all that kind of digital you know muddy color version. I think they do a good job of vacillating between those two things in order to punctuate it a little bit and keep it a little bit visually interesting. Yeah. Um, so basically, they go to the woods after a night at a at a. Um, uh, motel together and that last shot of the car here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That they hold on as they're walking away from it feels so ominous because you're just like, they're never getting in that car again. Like, you know that they're never getting in that car again. Uh, And I don't know, like, there's just, there's sort of this... It, it it's aware of itself, but it's also sort of heartbreakingly aware that these kids are going to die. Right. Which I think is, is mm-hmm. pretty fantastic. I, I, I like that you mentioned the first third is fun. 
<laughs> but also the first thing you see is that they they were never found. The footage is that's true. So like there's this yeah. there's this tragic overlay to it that really like that keeps you from disengaging. That makes it more fun because you're like I'm watching a horror movie and things are going to go south very soon. That's yeah, so true. It's very true. I forgot about the the opening. Yeah, the footage thing. was found in the woods. <laughs> and yeah, then, and then and then someone and then spliced edited, together. And then someone edited it into the super tight. That never really minutes. bothered me though. I like. No, I know. I know. I, I, I always try to explain that shit away, and I'm like, well, they, they wanted buy, they wanted it in, in a digestible form. I understand that you're trying. Yeah, I, but I think it's also that sort of to your point too, where you know that that their fate is sealed, mm-hmm. but you still want them to be okay. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. that, and you're you're fighting that while watching this film because you're like you like these kids. And I think it's telling that the 2016 movie, like the premise of it is, I think we could still save Heather. Like you still, <laughs> wow, that's you amazing. still want these kids to come out of the woods, even though like <laughs> they'd be yeah. real fucked up by now. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess. I, yeah. I mean, I, I have not seen that film, so I can't. I can't speak. It's to not it. good. Don't watch it. It's it's Adam Win Adam Wingard who Wingard. I've, I've yeah. liked other stuff he's done, but the uh, guest, the host, what was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think he did your next, which is a really yes. fun. Yes, yes, I think he did that as well. Really fun horror. Yeah, he's yeah. But then he also did recently Death Note. Yeah, not which I, I haven't seen, but I hear is not good. Yeah, here's not great. Um, so I think again back to sort of this modulation in the acts. The idea of getting lost in the woods mm-hmm. is scary enough on its own. Yeah. It, you, like yeah. that in itself is a scary proposition. And now you're mixing fucking witches <laughs> into that. So it's like just that that middle portion where they're getting on each other's nerves. It's starting to set in that they're getting that that they're not going to get out of the woods. And that alone is really scary. Uh, and I think it's very real. Yeah. It's that that like. And this is a, a total whatever, but I remember I went on a, a driving trip with some friends to San Francisco, uh, and we we got lost in the interior off of the one. And yeah, you don't want to get lost there. And Orange groves, people who work in Orange groves. <laughs> it was deeper than that, and it was. It, I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but we legitimately were running out of gas, and it was raining, and it 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 started to sink. And I was like, oh fuck, like we might. We might be getting out of this car and walking, and like I don't know. It just and listen, I wasn't. It's not the fucking Blair Witch Project, but I just think that that it is a deep seated fear of your inner compass being lost. It I was think that that's terrifying. Really yeah. Pre cell phones, yeah, they were fucked. They were fucked. Yeah, they were fucked. If there was no witch, when do you think they knew they were fucked? Is it the map or is it when they come back to the tree the second time? Because that's when Heather breaks down is the tree. I think it's the tree. Because after that, after that, there's a quality of like Heather's almost having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, she's like, okay, yeah. I'm still alive. Yeah. We're gonna keep doing this thing, you know. Yeah. Like, eh. that's when she that's when she breaks. I think is when yeah. they come back to that to that over the the log that sort of. I'd almost be comforted. Mm-hmm. By the by, the stick figures and the rocks at that point, because at least I knew I was going to die, yeah. as opposed to just walk forever, you know, <laughs> and start. Because yeah. I mean, you know, what we're not saying is they they walk fifteen hours due south, and they know this because they only have a compass, yeah. right? Yeah, and um, they wind up in the exact same spot. Yeah. So something is happening, be you know, supernaturally. To keep them lost. And at that point, I would think I was in hell or purgatory or somewhere right. horrible. And at least, you know, the sweet release of death at that point <laughs> sounds pretty good to me. I do. I love wow. that. I love how long they try to deny their being yeah. stalked by 
a witch. Yeah. <laughs> like, because yeah. it's, that's what you do. It's crazy to think, yeah. oh, I'm being, and like, that is another thing that a lot of the found footage horror movies now avoid. Like, yeah. they're like, okay, we're going to tell you from word one, paranormal activity starts because this guy's like, some weird stuff's been happening while I'm asleep. So right. I'm going to set up this camera. Right. Um, Cloverfield is like, they're shooting a house party and then, you know, it's a monster. So it's hard to miss. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, this yeah. is a movie about, like, even though the title is right there, like, these, you really try to tell yourself alongside. This can't them. be happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that, I mean, even, uh, so when they first get lost, there's this great line I think that Josh has where he says, you're not making a documentary about us getting lost. You're making a documentary about a witch. And, <laughs> and it's a great line. I mean, not just because it's funny, but it's also just like it, again, brings into focus this idea that you know, you, you're never not aware that, that there could be a witch around. But it, it's – I don't know. It's, it's having fun with a bunch of different things, which I yeah. think is, is I mean, the brilliance of this movie. Um, the moment when Mike starts to lose it is also very scary because he feels like he's a pretty stable guy. Yeah. Um, and he, but he kind of goes through some interesting kind of like ups and downs yeah. as well. They also don't know him, right? Oh, we're, that's right. We're with Heather and Josh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I assume Josh knows him a little bit. Yeah. Heather doesn't know him at all. We're really with Heather. Yeah. Um, he, I, I remember that he, he just starts yelling. He goes, God damn yeah. fucking bullshit. Yeah. 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 Um, that yeah. is scary. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, when, you when he snaps and you don't know a person. You don't yeah. know what this setup's going to lead to. Is this setup going to lead to the three of them in a tent choking each other? You know, so or stabbing each other. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. never know where these movies are going to go. Yeah. So you know, I tie up on that one. There's also, uh, and I don't know at what point it is, but there's a moment when Mike is screaming for help. Yeah, and Josh is crying as he walks out of frame. That I'm just like, it is just really haunting because that to me encapsulates the movie of just you know. Josh also kind of goes through some like serious psychosis where he just starts laughing. And I mean, they all kind of do in terms of just how far gone they are. Um, but I don't know what it is about Josh crying that just kind of really stayed with me. Um, I think that I, I think that's the log, if I'm not mistaken, that that's kind of the breaking point for them. Um, and then you have Josh talking about his mom's mashed potatoes for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Poor baby. <laughs> it's just like, mom's mashed potatoes, mom's mashed It's just it's like, Jesus Christ. Like, and that's the last scene he has yeah. before he's taken. Uh, one of the things I always wonder about in, the, in sort of the plot of this movie is yeah. when the witch decides – I gotta kill these. I gotta kill these guys. <laughs> like because the, after she had Hansel and Gretel, yeah. I'm, I'm still hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah what? I, yeah, because there is that moment. Like they take one of the stick figures or whatever. And yeah, like, the, the implication is that's what pissed but, her off. But she's already been like haunting them. Yeah, yeah. And, like she leaves little piles of rocks outside. There. Yeah, yeah. Like she's. I mean, the Blair Witch is clearly fucking with them. Like there's a little bit of just sort of like like I mentioned rats in a in a in a maze or mice mm-hmm. in a maze. There's a little bit of. I mean, obviously there's a stick figure, there's a piles of rocks. Then there's ultimately the teeth, um, which I guess were apparently real teeth. Yeah, that they got from so a morgue. Hmm. Uh, I mean, they got from a dentist. A, oh, a dentist. Yes. Uh, somehow more upsetting. Why does this dentist I, have all these teeth? I don't teeth? like the idea that dentists are giving away teeth. I agree with you. Yeah, no, I would. More weird, you know, whatever. Either way, potentially real teeth, which is fucked up. The sequel to the movie should have should have been 
the Blair Witch like having to set all this shit up. <laughs> and so, and she's played by Carol Kane. And she's like, oh, I gotta get these stick figures up in the trees. I would watch the shit out of I that. I just movie. see Carol, Carol Kane yeah. shaking the tents from the outside. <laughs> That's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess somehow stealing teeth from her victims. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just uh, <laughs> Give me your molars. <laughs> I also think that um, their screams, like you can hear how how hoarse they are. Yeah. Like you can hear that they're just like – it's just so raw. Um, I also think it's amazing how scary a black screen, distant voices, and out-of-breath people can be. Like this movie just proves that the rattling of a tent and just blackness and just tears, you'll just make up the shit for yourself and it's scarier enough. Yeah, they're they're angry and they're angry and scared and sad because I think that the actors really were angry and yeah. scared. Yeah, like I agree they, with that. even though they knew the directors were just out there like out there somewhere and if like anything went wrong they'd be fine. Like yeah. they're still wandering around the middle of the woods, yeah. sleeping, having their being woken up in the middle of the night by whatever. Like Yeah. A lot of it's real. Like a lot of their reaction is real. It's I, I, again, testament to the psychosis they put these kids through, but also I think they're good actors mm-hmm. and they're sensing I got the spotlight on me, and if I can if I can sell this shit, it's going to be great. Yeah. So what they did just specifically yeah. is every day they'd wake up and the directors will have left them food, and individual <laughs> notes on what they're going to be doing that day. <laughs> so, Kubrick would have loved, and this they movie, wouldn't show it to each other. So Mike got a note that says, you're going to lose the map. And he waited two days to reveal that he lost the map. So he, you know, he got rid of the map and then two days later he says, I kicked it in the creek. Um, so that's, that was kind of how that worked. They didn't even know what they were playing against, which is kind that's of so thrilling. To, you know, it's like we, we did Ed TV and we talked a lot about reality TV <laughs> with Ed TV, obviously. This is the other like yes. proto reality TV movie. Yes, you know a lot of this this yeah. kind of blurring of the lines happened here too, and they're acting. Yeah. I read one review, um, uh, a more recent review. I think the dissolve when the dissolve was which was a great, great, great piece. I think yeah. they, they did five pieces on this movie in 2014 for yeah. the 15th anniversary, and uh, and one of them had said something along the lines of, um, and Todd, this is kind of what you were talking about earlier, where people couldn't handle how real it was. Mm. Today they probably could. Because we see it over and over again, this kind of reacting, not acting so much, but this naturalistic yeah. reacting. We have literal reality shows that are the Blair Witch Project, like literal reality shows of people going into haunted yeah. places yeah. and yeah. trying to capture footage. And of course yeah. they don't because you – know. Well, um, I think – and to that point too, I think back in 99, we weren't used to filling in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because now reality television leaves out a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and you're just filling it in because – Either your narrative or you know media knowledge fills in those gaps, whereas this movie was very impressionistic at the time and was expecting that from its audience, and some people loved it, and in fact, it scared those people because they filled in the shit with really scary shit. Yeah. Uh, other people were like, "Well, where's where's the scary shit? It's, yeah. it's missing. It's not here." I want to say that I, I want to um, pivot off this. There's a brilliant mm-hmm. uh, video on YouTube called. Uh, it's called Scanline or something like that. It's by it's by a H H bomber guy is his name. Okay, uh, I recommend it to everybody. Basically, it's about um, how the horror genre was beautifully served by VHS, and this movie made me think of that because a VHS tape like there's so little visual information. You are scanning the blacks to see like 
what's mm. going to happen. Yeah. Um, you're looking at this grainy footage. And like he points <laughs> out like major movies like Alien – uh, when Ridley Scott wants to stage an alien attack, he often stages it on like a little screen mm-hmm. so that it's in a lower resolution <laughs> because that's scarier. And like this movie made me think about that all the time because one of the reasons this movie works, especially to a modern audience, is how like it, even if you put this on Blu-ray, it looks like shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I watched it on Blu-ray. It looked like shit. I and watched it in HD. You know, on I was thinking online. like when they run when they run out into the middle of the night. And you see, like, a maybe a thing, yes, yes but also maybe yeah. not a thing. Yeah. Like, it, and maybe it's just like the director got in the shot accidentally. Like, you don't know what that is, yeah. and you're never going to know what that is. Well, it's it's like I, I watched the the trailer for it again, which I mean is very brief mm-hmm. and and does a great job of. But there's basically two shots, which is the iconic shot of her saying her apology and then that handheld shot of them running through the she woods. She looks like and, a gnome And she looks like, a, or, or even like, I don't even, she's, it almost looks like she's cloaked in white. It's, she it's, looks like a witch. She like does. she does. And you don't know what you're really looking at but again, it's terrifying because you don't know what you're looking at and you don't know what's around you and, and the movie just envelops you in that. I think there's that also that sort of Listen, it may be nauseous in the theater, I'm not going to lie, and Cloverfield did the same thing to me. I don't really love handheld shaky shit. It makes me nauseous. But it is so uh, immersive. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? You are in this movie, whether you like it or not, from a POV perspective. And I think that, again, the editing of it makes it so that it's cutting off of things that you wouldn't expect to cut to and from. It's, It's. I hope that, like, editors watch this movie to see just sort of how... Interestingly, you can cut a horror movie. It doesn't yeah. have to be paint by the numbers. Nowadays, we just show too much shit. Whereas yeah. this movie is sort of embracing what you can't see, which I think mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. But I think that this movie did create a whole subgenre of, I guess, what you'd call indie Sundance horror. Sure. Um, not even just the found footage, like things like The Baba Duke or The like Witch. It follows. Or it follows. Things, yeah, in the last some few years. Of, yeah, yeah, some of these movies that are low budget. Interesting. Uh, intentionally filmed in ways that uh, kind of obscure the monster uh-huh. or that force you to like let that like make the horror more psychological, especially uh-huh. the witch, I think. I like is the an witch. Interesting companion to this because yeah. and these movies debut at Sundance, critics are like, Yes, yeah. this is my shit. <laughs> it goes to theaters and people are like, yeah. Where's Freddy Krueger? You know? Yeah. And they're so yeah. like they're they don't quite have the main I don't know why this one went mainstream, yeah. where a lot of these have just fizzled out at that point. What but. was the one last year, I think? It's kind of a big deal right now. Get Out? No, 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 no. no. Uh, the um, the Joel Egerton something. Oh, yeah, it, it Comes at Night. Yeah. Which mm. is another one exactly like that. Where it's, the, where it's like, where's the beef? Some people yeah. feel that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, listen, I, I think that, again... I totally hear why you're drawing the line between this and those movies. They're they're tone pieces. You know what I mean? Like they're they're art films that just happen to be able to exist inside a horror genre. The Witch is a perfect example of that. I actually thought that that movie looked fantastic. Yeah, it did. I thought it was very interesting. And and the final shot is awesome. Yeah. So I get why people still feel like there's not enough here. But I also think – that if you are coming to movies for some sort of intellectual exercise in any way, shape, or form, you would get something out of these movies. Yeah, yeah. But you know. and I feel like there is an audience for that sort of thing. Absolutely. Uh, and it, and I think that I don't know if this movie didn't invent that audience, but this sure. movie proved that that audience could make you a lot of money 
And mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. And I think all these movies, I mean, horror is has been a genre that has birthed a lot of filmmakers because they're cheap and yeah. it's an opportunity. They're short, they're cheap, they're, you know. Well, they're, also, they they're also allegorical. They're allegorical. You get to yeah. do a lot of shit with them. Yeah. But it, it's it, a lot of filmmakers have cut their teeth on horror films and mm-hmm. it's not a coincidence that they've done that. Um, but this film sort of takes that low budget idea and you can see how someone would run with the ball and be like, there's more we can do with this too. Like, yeah. I want to I do my version of that. So I think there's a case to be made that this saved horror. Because look, I love Scream. I, yeah, truly, sure. one of my favorite movies. Sure. But Scream, in a way, killed horror. Yeah, you know, Scream yeah. pulled, you know, opened every window and opened every door, and yeah. you know, showed you the way all the magic tricks work. And every movie that followed Scream and that was like Scream kind of sucked. And we're going to do a couple of those this year. Like we're going to killing Miss, t- teaching Mrs. Tingle. I'm looking forward to teaching Mrs. Tingle. It's, it's kind of sucks. But um, <laughs> don't we have disturbing behavior as well? Is that this year? Uh, I don't know what that is. Disturbing behavior, really? Disturbing behavior. Yeah, Katie Holmes and jo- uh, James Marsden, and I think it's a '99 movie. Maybe I'm wrong. They all—they're like—they become preppy. Like that's the they get. Well, I think it's just they're too. Well, I mean, and this is some people would say that this is knocking Kevin Williamson to a certain extent, but very, very hyper aware teens right. that understand their the movie they're in way too. They're just too clever. It was, right? a, it was a 98 movie. 98. Directed okay. by the great David Nutter. There it is. Wow. Um, I'm, but you, you sort of know what I mean. Like, I think that, and your point is true. Like, horror kind of went in two different directions it, in 98. I think it know, went in one scream, direction. And then, and then, and then the other direction stopped. Sincere horror. Mm-hmm. Horror that was like trying to make you, you know, just, just trying to scare you for the sake of scaring you as opposed to you know, these kind of laugh scares yeah. that you got out of Scream. And I think there there is the case to be made that Blair Witch kind of, yeah. as you were saying, Todd, showed that there, this audience still exists. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. It wants to be scared. It wants um, – But isn't it, there it also more. an argument to be made for the fact that the 80s were so saturated in horror? The 80s were so saturated in slasher stuff. Okay. And, sure. and Scream really like you still can't make a slasher movie. You have to include so like um, <laughs> they're making another Halloween. Did there's actually a pretty fun little movie from last year called Happy Death Day, which is a slasher yeah. movie that is crossed with Groundhog Day. But like you have to do that. You have to be like <laughs> I have a wait. really high concept yeah. slasher movie. Because really, I just think Scream killed that side of horror. But one of the other like one of the other things about the Blair Witch Legacy that I find fascinating and I wrote about this a couple of years ago at Vox, um, is one of the beneficiaries of it was it was selling out so many screenings and it was in so few theaters and people wanted to be scared. And a movie came out right at the same time called The Sixth Sense and was a mm-hmm. PG-13 horror movie That's very interesting. that had some scary moments That's in true. it. It wasn't too scary sure. and it blew up. It became the biggest – I think it was the biggest movie of that year other than Star it was, Wars. It was up there. I don't know. I think it was – yeah, the, the Star Wars was one, and then there was maybe that, maybe The Matrix. It was, I, there, yeah, I think, it's, right I think there, it's Star yeah. Wars, and then maybe Toy Story, and then Toy Story. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's the second highest. You're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. It's uh, yeah, they it's were, crazy. They were kind Wars, of viewed yeah. by the mainstream media almost as companion pieces, yeah. even though they're nothing alike. Like I didn't even, when I saw The Sixth Sense, I didn't even think it was a horror movie. Yeah. I still don't think it's a horror movie. But so, I, mean, I mean, Misha Barton throws up all over. She does. So. <laughs> There's another Misha Barton, Notting Hill. Misha Barton movies. Notting Hill and yeah. uh, Sixth Sense. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Add it to the list. <laughs> I mean, I think that 
I never really thought about that, that Sixth Sense might have benefited from, but they both were so successful as the thing. Yeah. It, was a month, it was a month later, right? Sixth Sense came out in August. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, August because, 6th. Of, because of the platform release. Blair Witch was the week before. Blair, like Blair Witch comes out the week before, but then also, you know, it's R-rated. There's kind of a disappointment over it from some people. Like, I distinctly remember seeing the Sixth Sense because the theater I was at in South Dakota didn't have the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we gotta see a horror movie. And like That's so interesting. the uh, success of The Sixth Sense, it came out on a really crowded weekend at the box office. The success of it was seen as a huge surprise. And like it was. Yeah. It, it's it's all I to my mind it's always been because there's this nation of teenagers that either wanted to see Blair Witch and couldn't get in or were disappointed by Blair Witch and wanted to see something scary. Yeah. I'll add something it's, else to that. Sorry. I think um and I'm seeing this with Get Out now too. Uh, there is a larger group of people who want to be in on the phenomenon, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, but don't want to dive into the deep end of the ocean, which is what I think a lot of people thought Blair Witch was. Right. Mm-hmm. So this Bruce Willis movie, PG-13, I believe it's a Disney. It's a yeah because I think he had this weird three picture deal and yeah. he had to, yeah, he yeah. had to do this movie yeah. or something. And like. they basically folded him into it. And they were just like, "You're going to do this because you have this deal with us." Yeah, too bad for him. So such a shame. Um, yeah. uh, so people like my parents would go see The Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah. you know, just like people like my parents are now mm-hmm. begrudgingly seeing Get Out. So, but I think it's interesting, you know. So Blair Witch. No offense, mom and dad. Blair Witch. At, isn't a particular? I mean, is that it? Got an R rating? Yeah, only for fucks. Yeah, only for language. Really? Yeah. Because it's. I, I would actually say that the Sixth Sense has cr- some creepier imagery. If we're talking about like actual jump scares, here's the thing. I w- I might argue. I haven't looked at the MPAA rating for Blair Witch, so I don't know. But remember <laughs> when The Conjuring came out and there was a big story about this movie is yeah, too yeah. intense. Yes, yes. We're giving yes. it an R rating. I would not be surprised if some of that played into the Blair Witch. That's. I mean, I think that you're totally right. That this, so the Sixth Sense opens on August sixth, and the the movies that opened the same weekend as the Sixth Sense were Sixth Sense, Thomas Crown Affair, Mystery Men, The Iron Giant, and Dick. Those are all good movies. Yeah, they are all good movies, but they're also really different. Yeah, movies. all over the place. That's this year. Yeah, <laughs> this year is just Murderers Row. That's why like, we did it. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Random weekend, you, you, five five wide releases, legit good movies, movies people talk about today. Not Dick so much. Four movies people talk about today. <laughs> but I mean, Iron Giant is is widely believed to be one of the best animated films that's come out. You know, right. in however yeah. long. I mean, I'm interested to rewatch Mystery Men because I don't really know what's going to come out of that, but I'm curious. Only superhero movie that whole year, which is. Talk about like that's a misnomer now. I mean, you you can't go a month without a, a, a superhero movie. And Thomas Grenfell, which I actually think is a great movie, and I really mm-hmm. enjoy that. I think they're both mm-hmm. really great in that film. But it is it you would not imagine the success would be the one to open number one in that. Yeah, because Bruce Willis at that time, I mean, he was still Bruce Willis, sure, but. I, I don't know. I, I I would have put my money on Thomas Crown Affair. Before, the other two that. movies in that Bruce Willis three pack, I believe, were Disney's The Kid, which was a big failure, right? And yes. I think a movie called like Broadway Bully or something. That I don't know. What no that one even is. ever saw. So I, it's that, my point is he wasn't bankable. Yeah, yeah he wasn't. In this and is up, the yeah. downward slope of Bruce Willis, and then Sixth Sense saves him. Yeah, yeah. It, it really it, it really gives him a new lease like on life. I mean, years. Blair Witch in its opening weekend, which was only twenty seven theaters, opens the same weekend as Eyes Wide Shut. Which is interesting, which is yeah. July 16th. What was its uh, per theater average that oh, first weekend? Yeah, hold on, let me see. Uh, 
It says 56K. Oh, that's good. That's <laughs> pretty good. high, wow. right? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That's the yeah. thing. That movie was selling out, and it was selling out, and then it went too wide, and people were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. So you think had they platformed it better? Or I, I, don't, know, I don't know. I don't know that it was it. about the platforming. I think it yeah. was always going to hit that point. Yes. But I that is why agree. I think The Sixth Sense benefited from it. That's always been yeah, my feeling on that. And also The Sixth Sense, like you think about Blair Witch, its ending doesn't explain very much. You figure it out, but you have to yep. think about it. Sixth Sense explains everything, and that ending is iconic for a very different reason. Kenny loves his success. I, 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 think that's, I think that's a great movie, but yeah, I mean it's a top ten movie for me. But I, I like that yeah. ending is very different, and it is very much like everything is resolved. Not top ten of all time. Top well, 10 but and, and, and I think that that's that's I mean that's what the, the, for all intents and purposes the perfect ending for an audience, right? Yeah, which is the holy shit, what? And then they got to go see it again because they need to see how how he got away with the trick, right? So it's it's completely different. Whereas Blair Witch. I'm amazed that people went to see it multiple times. <laughs> you did because you were, you know, bought into everything yeah. that was around it. Yeah, I remember. I, I lo- so I love the mythology of this movie, and that's really? a that's another thing that I think this movie should get credit for, which is building a mythology around the property before release that people got really into and got really invested in. So I, I was really into that. I see the movie the first time with I think my girlfriend at the time. Sure. Hi, Katie. Hope you're listening. Um, <laughs> so like, do we? <laughs> we all go. We all go and see it, and like her and her and me and some of our friends, and then we kind of shuffle out, and they're like, hmm. and I, really? I knew I liked it, but I didn't like. I, I want, had wanted to like it more. I'd wanted it to okay. be something else. And then I took my sister, my little sister, for some reason. How old was she? Uh, she was uh, fourteen. Okay. Uh, and we went and saw it, uh, and I, I like I liked it more that time. Like I keyed into it, I got it a little bit more. So I think that what happened for me, I think happened for a lot of horror fans, which is like there was something in this, and I don't know what it is, but I got to go and find it again because uh-huh. I'm not getting it anywhere else. Um, and like I, my sure. sister didn't like it at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> how old were you when it came out? Uh, I was 18. Okay. So I, I had just graduated from high school. Uh, that that summer, I saw basically everything. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, I was. I mean, I was nineteen, and I saw basically everything as well. I mean, I think that it's very interesting to to sort of. I think it says something that you left the theater feeling like it was a riddle that you needed yeah. to solve, and that they had, as the snowman would tell you, they had given you all the clues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I think that that's. Uh, I think that's interesting. Snowman comes up a lot. <laughs> the snowman's come up a couple That's times. That's an iconic movie I'm, already. I, I think I'm watching it this Sunday, I believe. So. Is this the year of Jack Frost, the Michael <laughs> Keaton is a snowman movie? I don't no. because, I hope uh, so, but I, don't, <laughs> but I don't think so. I think it's 98. I think yeah, it's speaking 98. of Jack Frost, I recently watched the, uh, the Santa Claus 3. It's 98, unfortunately. Uh, not a bad trilogy, the Santa Claus trilogy. Just saying. <laughs> just, you know, just, I've, heard, I've seen worse trilogies in my day. But I, I think it's interesting that I mean, I've always, and I, I, I don't, this is going to sound shittier than it should, but I've always felt that the horror genre is pretty disposable. Sure. Um, it, it has that kind of quality to it. And I think it embraces it more times than not. So I think I went to see this one. I was like, oh, it's a horror movie. And I saw it and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I moved on with my life. And I might have watched it again around the time, but that was kind of it. And then to rewatch it now, I'm just like, God damn, I totally missed the fucking point. Like, I just did not get it back then. I didn't give it its due. Um, I think it's great you did. I think it's great that you sort of went back and were like, no, 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 there's, there's 
a diamond in here. I just haven't found it yet, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. My good friend uh, uh, Matt Solar Sites, who mm-hmm. writes for Vulture, another tremendous uh, critic, yes, yeah. has written a lot about how horror is the one genre you can do in a big studio that lets you do endings that are not uh, yeah. endings that are not what you'd expect. Like uh, certainly something like Get Out has. Sure. Uh, I don't want to call that a happy ending, but you know, like it's kind of yeah, a happy ending. yeah, it, it has an ending that leaves you feeling. And not the original ending. And not the original ending. Yeah. yeah. But like This is the right ending. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this is this is the right ending. Yeah. But uh he he was talking about it in context in the context of a movie called Mama, which I really like. Yeah, I never saw that one. Uh, <laughs> but it has a very, very dark ending. And like horror is a way I've always liked horror. I think a lot of horror is disposable, um, mm-hmm. because a lot of it is chasing cheap dollars, cheap emotion. Right. Fear is an easy emotion to provoke in people. Sure. Um, but the best horror taps into like the dread that we feel as a society, sure. uh, and almost accidentally, like this feels like an accident in a lot of ways. Uh, but and like I, as I, I was sort of straining for, like you talk about Halloween is kind of a movie this is compared to a lot, and Halloween is a movie that taps into a, a lot of things in the late seventies in terms of like economic collapse and you know fear of crime and mm-hmm, white flight so and all this stuff. Yeah. I don't know what the Blair Witch is saying <laughs> about <laughs> yeah. the late nineties is my point here. But I, I think that like there yeah. is something in there that's like very metaphorical for where people were at that time sure. in terms of like being scared of of, you know in terms of almost being scared of America's past. Yeah, I, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's funny you bring up the witch because I do think that there is sort of this we don't we don't see any drawings. We don't really know what the witch looks like. Our only description is that from that real creepy woman with the Bible early on in the film talks about how she has that the Blair Witch is covered in hair yeah. and like you don't really know. You're kind of left to your own devices to put it together. But it does feel I don't know why, but for me, I thought about the the movie The Witch and I thought about sort of that you know those the pioneers, the people that came over, and that sort of very kind of old timey. It feels weirdly historical. Yeah, and maybe it's because it is a historical document, but there is something to that idea of feeling like it's. And there's that great line, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but the line where she's like, "We can't get lost. America has, has taken." Yeah, what's the, what's the line? Something about uh, we've industrialized everything, and no, there's it's, not that much. It's like left it's over. impossible to get lost in America, and even more impossible to stay lost. Something like something that. like that. So yeah. I think there is some sort of a there is some sort of a commentary going on. Yeah, um, about getting back to your roots in some weird way, or I don't. You saying that made me think about one of the other big horror things in the 90s is The X-Files, which sure. you guys mm-hmm. aren't going to talk about for obvious reasons because it's a TV show. But We are going to do an episode about TV. We, at, we, at least one. Okay. Yeah, we're, Excellent. We're going to do – look, we only have 250 of these. So what are we going to do after? <laughs> no, no. But anyway, you were saying yes. Um, I, and one of the themes of that show is we're in the 90s. The Cold War's over. America mm-hmm. won. Now we're starting to realize all the horrible shit that right, America right, right, did right, right. to win the Cold War. Like in the it, during the Cold War, you almost like there's almost a triumphalism that has to be yeah, there, yeah. Because if there's not, then you might start thinking about like bad stuff. And like the Blair Witch is very much a part of this movement of like the past. America's past is scary. America's past is yeah. dark and full of terrors, and yeah. like we don't want to poke at it too much. But it's there, and it's always waiting to devour us alive. I fully agree. I think there's also something, you, bringing up the X-Files I think is interesting too, just in terms of um, y- you felt like you were watching a document you weren't supposed to see. 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That it, like the government had hid this from you, yeah, and you weren't supposed to see this, which I think is also very interesting. Um, which again feeds into, I think, not even just the metatextualism, but just why this movie is so scary, because you feel like you're seeing something that you shouldn't be seeing. Um, well, it's funny too. We've seen a few movies so far about people around this age, mm-hmm. right? Go would mm-hmm. definitely be one that we've Absolutely. seen, um, but not a lot of movie of. Movies. With, I agree about people who are in their early twenties. Yeah, and the, the thing about there are a lot of them in ninety nine though. Yeah, well, and we're going to cover them. We're going to cover them. Yeah. Maybe somewhere like period, like the one in my head is like two hundred cigarettes, but that's like in the eighties. Mm-hmm. But whatever the what I'm saying is like these are kids who are trying to do something. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's like the difference between a lot of these other movies that yeah. happened in the nineties. It was a lot of brain dead stuff, right? It's not a slacker movie. Yeah, kids try exactly. They're sitting yeah. around or they're trying to, I mean like yeah. Ed was probably in his mid twenties in that movie too. The kids <laughs> they're, they're they're letting yeah. things happen to them. Yeah. In this in this movie, these characters go out and try to do something and they pay the yeah. ultimate price for it. And I think that Yeah. Nineteen years later, it does kind of feel like that. That a lot of people our age who went out and tried to do something yeah. have just been kind of smacked down by the system because yeah. The older generation isn't going away the way they used to go away. I yeah. did. I thought throughout this movie, this is such a Gen X movie. Yeah. Um, I am technically an old millennial. Um, <laughs> As am I. But like I, I was right on that cusp of like – so I have a lot of things in common with Gen X and a lot of things in common with millennials. I think so. we all are actually yeah. on that cusp. I think so. Yeah. And like yeah. it's kind of bullshitty because I don't feel any kinship yeah. with it's either Gen group. It's Gen Y I think is what it's – We're, we're, we're what we like are. That. We're yeah. people who actually can appreciate the movies in 1999. Generational <laughs> theories, bullshit. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is very – like this movie is very much like everything that you would have read in Spin Magazine in the 90s thrown together into like a scary movie. Yeah movie and like yeah this is they're definitely like trying to make their way in the world and they get uh killed by a witch by a witch (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean it is it's yeah i guess i never really i didn't even really think about it in that way of of just these kids that are very sort of that they seem quite ambitious and kind of like motivated in their own weird way and admittedly like i'm sure that parents again would watch this film and be like look at these burnout kids making movies but but you know, it's 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 kind of masterful in that way as well. And I think also, if you look at Daniel and, and Eduardo, the filmmakers behind it too, like talk about a an amazing success story. I mean, they were on the cover of Time Magazine. These two kids that yeah. threw together, you know, basically sticks and rocks, yeah. and made a huge hit movie. Uh, Eduardo you know, is still a working Eduardo is still working. Yeah, yeah, and I saw he's done some he's done some TV primarily yeah. in the last couple of years. But but you know, up to like this year. Yeah, and he's 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 working. Uh, not so much Daniel, but I, I do think that sure there he is, has a job. Maybe he's growing marijuana. <laughs> I, I, and weirdly, I don't know if this is a, a fair corollary, but seeing them on the cover of Time Magazine, I couldn't help but think of. And maybe it's because his name is Eduardo, but I couldn't think couldn't help but think of Facebook as well. Yeah, you know what I mean? Of like just sort of how generationally i imagine our parents look at at our generation and think like you're 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 coding you're making video games you're making documentary like it almost feels so weirdly antithetical to how they were raised as to what a successful career is yeah. which i think is also very interesting too and taps into again sort of that the turning of the page of 99 to 2000 and the millennial shift and it's just it's really interesting stuff it's going to get crazier and crazier i went to my kids poetry night last night <laughs> For the kid, the school is what? the school. I'll tell There's you, a poetry night. Your kids are how old? My kids are five. Like the school goes from <laughs> That's five. The most LA thing five, ever. It's from, it's, yeah, it's from K to eight, right? Uh-huh. So, gra- so my kids, you know, 
learn one poem and they memorize a poem, great, whatever. And that kind of happens until second grade. And then in third grade, they incorporate dance. In fourth grade, they incorporate music. In fifth grade, it's like something out of, it's, it's like something out of, um, like, uh, up with people. It's like p- movement and, oh and inside and outside. And then the sixth through eighth graders, I yeah. swear to God, yeah. did a one take 10 minute movie in a warehouse. Stop it. They I did a wonder with that started, <laughs> started outside in the rain, uh-huh. moved inside. Yeah. Was, they composed the, their own music. They had dancers in three separate oh places. God. They had the narrators moving around outside of the view of the camera. That's amazing. It was significantly harder and better than anything I have produced. And these kids are <laughs> 14 at the oldest. So amazing. it's just going to keep getting, it's only going to get crazier. Uh, my, I, you know, my, my niece who's 13 and lives in Minnesota has no like production experience, has not grown up near the industry. Like her and her friends have their phones and they just like make these movies that are like incredibly impressive little yeah. pieces of work. It's just like they know this technology. Like uh, the people who are 11 right now are going to change everything uh, and then the robots will. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, all. yeah. I feel the Skynet same way. Skynet is, yeah. I mean, it's around the corner. <laughs> I hope we have a now. movie where we can really get into, you know, how soon we're all going to be extinct. I but, mean, that movie could be. I mean, I don't even know what movie that. We'll would figure be. it out. We'll work it in. The apocalypse. The robot apocalypse. I mean, yeah. I guess it could be South Park. I mean, the Matrix. The, Ma- the, the Matrix. The Matrix. True. Matrix I'm, is pretty much. I'm so, and the remake of The Haunting. I'm so. so I'm so afraid to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm so afraid to do the Matrix. I mean, listen, I'm I'm excited because I feel like. You know, is there a fresh take on that movie? I don't know, but I, I'm just I'm excited to talk about it again. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Kind of, it's going to be fun. One of those movies people don't really talk about. Actually, it's just kind of a little <laughs> underseen, <laughs> underknown. It's funny as I'm I, the run little run thing, talking about the Wachowskis and sort of seeing. I mean, I think that that's the thing I've been hit with the most as we've been doing this this podcast is sort of looking at the the career trajectories of some sort of you know seminal filmmakers that have come out of this and where they've gone since these movies I think is also has been really fascinating as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned um, so I'm, 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 I'm excited to explore all that stuff as well I mean I think uh, is there I mean what else is there to talk about is there other things that you sort of I, I had one thing I wanted to say yeah, please, which is uh, we talked about the witch uh, yeah. and the original plan for the second Blair Witch sequel for so what would have been Blair Witch 3 Okay. Was Babe in the Woods? American American Sanchez is that his last name. Yes, they Ed, were going Eduardo to, Sanchez. Wait, who are we talking about? The, the, the directors. directors. Yes, American yeah, yeah, Sanchez. Yeah. They weren't going to do the sequel. Okay. They were going to go make a rom com. Literally, that's oh what they God. were going to do. It's called like Heart Heart of Love. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've been I trying to this, do it for twenty years. I know this amazing. from all the time I spent reading. Ain't it cool news in the <laughs> year two thousand? <laughs> yeah, uh, can't, can't read that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually, if you you can't find it anymore, you have to go look, know know exactly where to go looking. I wrote a thing for Any Cool News that is incredibly embarrassing and is my first published work. Uh, concludes with me typing the lyrics to leaving on a jet plane in all caps. Was it about, uh, it was about Armageddon? A it was about a bad breakup. Uh, I was 16 or 17. You, you have to go find, like okay. it's not, it's okay. Did you write it under a pseudonym? No, I, it's published under Todd Vandor. If you can't find it by Googling me because it's been taken off the internet, but it's on archive. So You've scrubbed it from the internet is what you're saying? No, I haven't. Harry Knowles <laughs> has for me. Thank you, Harry. Oh, you. Uh, <laughs> he, no. might, he might be listening. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, so the idea was the third movie was going to be a period piece. It was going to be like, we're going oh, to delve that. into that the Blair Witch mythology. We're going to do a movie, I think, about it, Rustin Parr, the, the guy who killed a bunch of kids. Okay. Well, there is the alternate theory that it's not a witch, that it's Rustin Parr. Yeah. Yeah. 
And they were like, we're going to do this period piece, and that's going to be the third Blair Witch movie. And that's how we're going to expand the universe. A lot of the books, a lot of the video games, that's right. all Blair Witch mythology stuff. I think that was the path to take. Make every movie a slightly different style. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I agree with you. Do period piece, do an 80s slasher movie, but like all yeah, of them fun. have the Blair Witch at the center. I mean, I feel like the BWU, the Blair Witch universe, I feel like that'll be explored at some point or another. I feel like someone could very well, I mean, we talked about at the beginning about how rich the terrain is here. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that the recent movie was by no means a failure. Right. You, you have to wonder whether or not someone decides to, I mean, how long before we have a Blair Witch television show, I guess is what I'm getting I at. think 2029, this is my pitch. 2029. This is my pitch. My, Merrick and, and Sanchez come back. Okay. 2029. Heather Donahue... Michael Williams, Josh Leonard all come back. They come out of the woods. I think that's, <laughs> there you what, go. I think that's, that's what you got to do. It's I'd like, watch that. It's I'm like in. aliens. Yeah. yeah, and then you do like, what was that movie? Was it Session 9? Yeah. Where it was like inside the mental institution? That's a good movie. Yeah, we, it's just, that's a fucking scary movie. Yeah. That movie really upset me. Uh, yeah, and it's just like, it's just the audio recordings of them uh, having come out of the woods and what happened to them. Do it as a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There I love is. that idea. Yeah. My so, wheels are turning. All right, you want to do uh, 0 to 99? Yeah. So on the podcast, as you may have heard on previous <laughs> episodes, we rank this movie, these movies on a scale from 0 to 99. Indeed. Um, as the guest, Todd, why don't you start? Well, what, you was your, what would you say your rating was in 99 when you saw it and what it compares to today? Uh, I, was, I was really bad at wanting to – impress critics who were never going to know that this kid in South Dakota was like so I was real like I like I would try to conform my opinions to them. Sure. So it would have been very high. Okay. Like it, it would have been even though I didn't really like it. So like if I'm being honest about my experience, <laughs> let's say a seventy. Okay. Like you know okay. like 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 that sort of three and a half star range where it's like I, I know that I liked it but I'm not sure why. Okay. Um but now I I now I'd be tempted to go like eighty eight. Like, oh wow, okay. I think this is a really solid, really good movie. Um has some problems certainly, like has some issues I could pull out, but uh I uh, I was a little gobsmacked by how good it is. Yeah. Uh do you wanna go next? Sure, I'll go next. In ninety nine it would have been low. I did not enjoy it and uh and I think the main reason I didn't enjoy it was I was expecting something else. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think I think fundamentally I was expecting a scary movie, yeah. and I don't think I got a scary movie. Most of America um, would agree with you. So I, I <laughs> think, seems, and yeah. the Razzie voters. <laughs> well, I, I don't think I thought it was that bad because I think I could appreciate how unique it was. Yeah. But you know, I think we're talking about like a forty-five, right? Oh wow, okay. Um, and today I'm not really going to go quite as high as as you did. That's not really what I felt, but um, but I thought it was great. I mean, you know, it's about a 75 for me. Okay. Um, which, you know, it's pretty high. Not Ed TV, but it's pretty high. <laughs> no. I love how much you loved Ed TV. Ed TV, Ed, uh, Ed TV like, which is such a rebound for me. It went, <laughs> it went, for, it went, for, about, it went for about a, about a 15 to yeah. an 85. It was just it was like, like, I'm not sure there'll be a movie this year that'll do I that, but who knows? I love that movie. Uh, <laughs> I think at the time I was pretty dismissive of it. I think I was probably, I liked it fine. I think I even bought it on, on DVD, if I'm not mistaken, and probably never watched it. But um, well, you, you, know, you never know when Janet Maslin's going to come over. 
So That's you true. have to have it you on your have shelf. It ready. Yeah, I, uh, I bought it on DVD, and then when I was unloading DVDs because I was deep in debt, like it was the one DVD I could never sell, so oh, I still own it. That's nobody the- wanted it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no one. Like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't like, I couldn't take it to like used shops or anything like that. They'd be like, we have too many Blair Witch projects. That's already. so funny. That's so many people. Oh, I thought you could. I thought it was. I thought it was an emotional. Yeah, no, no, no. Like I tried. No one wanted it. I did try. Nobody wanted. That's so funny. Um. I mean, I think probably at the time I would, I'd probably put it in the, I don't know, around 70, something like that, 72, That's I think. pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good at the time. I actually think I, I enjoyed it a lot more this time around. I mm-hmm. got a lot more out of it. Um, I'd probably give it a 79. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, that it, it definitely moved well, up. We have different definitions of a lot, but okay. <laughs> Seven points. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, I'm more precious about my points than you are, Kenny, is what uh, it comes down well, to. Well, you know, I'm never going to live down this NTV in my own, my own mind. <laughs> but um, well, the problem is there's so many more movies. I think we're, but I think I'm just going to be throwing out 99s. Like when we get to some of these movies, well, the ones that are on your top 10 list, I'm sure. For the most part, I think we're going to be throwing out like 97, 98, 99. Yeah, there's just, a lot. There's, uh, there's, there's a lot is, of good movies. This is the thing critics talk about is like how often you give a perfect score. I give it all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, I really? like I like to give out five stars, which is sure. the highest scale we have at Vox. I, I used to like to give out A's at AV Club. What's like, the sure. last movie you give or? or Last, yeah. I mean, movie or show, whatever. You know. Oh, let's see. What have I given five stars to recently? I gave four and a half to the Comedy Central sitcom Corporate, and people thought that Is was, it that good? I really liked it. Oh, all right. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's four and a half, but I thought it was at the <laughs> time. Like, I, I, and I said that to somebody, and they're like, really? Um, but yeah, I'm not precious about that, that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, maybe that does not help audiences, but readers rather yeah. but, you know it's also so arbitrary yeah. on a certain level like it's completely subjective i, I mean the actual the like, ranking yeah. of it all uh, but i do think that uh yeah i mean i don't know i think that i think that blair witch has aged really well it has i think that yeah, it I will only so continue to do so i think that it's a movie that people are going to look back on i mean we just did but i think that it's it's only going to grow in esteem part of it is all these found footage movies in its wake are so bad. You see just how hard it is to pull off what they yeah, pulled off. I would but, agree with that. 100%. And we live in a world built by the Blair Witch Project. Like, well, yeah, all the, the marketing, yep. the mythology, the reality TV stuff. Like, this is this is a, a document of what's to come. Like the O.J. Simpson trial. <laughs> Does Artisan Stephen even? I was going to ask anymore? the exact same question. What they got to sold. They got uh, they merged with somebody else, and then they got uh, they got. Uh, I think they merged with Summit. And then okay. they got subsumed into Lionsgate. Yeah, because Lionsgate uh, put out the recent. Blow, and now which, Lionsgate might be subsumed by something else, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're all going to be owned by Disney someday. Like, it's just, it's coming. <laughs> Disney will own us all. Yeah. Uh, we wor- are not doing a Disney film worst next overlords. week. <laughs> uh, next week. We are doing. Uh, well, don't. We're doing a movie that I'm not. The reason we're doing to. this movie is because this, this episode's going to drop right around Oscar time. And well, we're, next week's. Next the week's. one that Next we are week's. about yes, to record. It's going to be the episode that happens on the Wednesday before Oscar time. There are mm-hmm. five Oscar-nominated movies that year. It's, what were um, the five movies? There was American Beauty. Yes. Cider House Rules, which probably was a contender for this slot too because it's such a weird nominee. <laughs> um, it was The Insider, which is, I think, frankly, too good to do right now willy-nilly. Um, I love that you consider this time willy-nilly. But well, we, it's early days. We want to take our time. Early days is I right. There's a Sixth Sense, which we just did on this podcast. Yeah, we're done. So it's over. And then the uh, and the fifth movie was Green Mile, um, which Green will Mile, be the movie we're doing next week. Green Mile. It was a Frank Darabont movie. Uh, Stephen oh. King. It was off off a 
a, a series of a novellas. Series, yeah, several. Like several, several. Novellas. And you know, that's the Stephen King Frank Dare about repairing after Shawshank, which you know yeah. is Shawshank. Everybody knows Shawshank, and by '99, people had a lot of warm feelings towards that movie and that pairing. Yeah. And then you have Hanks, Tom, Tom Hanks. I mean, what, what's and you have a, America loves Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, understandably so. You have Michael Clark Duncan in like this kind of. It's it's. I mean. It's it's almost a magical role. I don't mean like the the magical Negro trope that it kind of gave birth I mean, to. Definitely, but it definitely. had this kind of it had this kind of aura around it. Like watch this guy you've never heard of do something you've never seen before. So there was this kind of excitement around this movie, and then everyone saw it for three hours and nine minutes, and it got nominated for best picture, which is just truly yeah. even at the mo- even in the moment it was a shock to me. Todd, yeah. do you have any feelings about? Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Green Mile. Green Mile? <laughs> I actually like the book. I think the book is is one of King's better from this period. Tom Hanks loved the book. I remember when yeah. he signed on. He it's was like, a, it's, "It's a strong little book." Uh, and in the book, Stephen King does a pretty nimble job of dancing around the magical Negro trope. trope. He doesn't quite get all the way there, but like he at least knows where he's playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like is aware of it in a uh-huh. way that the movie is not, not at all. Not, <laughs> it just wraps its arms around that trope. Like yeah. it's. It's, it is it yeah. is not a good movie. Uh, I was so excited for this movie. I was Me excited too. for it too. I love Shawshank. Me I love the book. Yeah. And uh, it is uh, – it, it let me down. And especially in a year when you figure that some of the runners-up for that uh, fifth best picture slot were being John Malkovich. Being John Talented, Malkovich. Yeah. Talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, yeah. being yeah. John Malkovich got the director nomination and didn't get the best picture nomination. Yeah. And I, I, re- I, I remember being – Truly crushed that yeah. this movie got in and John being and John Malkovich didn't. I remember. Um, I mean, I, I I remember waking up early to see the Academy Award nominations mm-hmm. when they came out for this year because I remember thinking like they've got certainly got an embarrassment of riches. They got so much that they yeah. can do. And I was like, these are the five movies that you picked. Well, I just it was just, I was baffled. That was really that was really the year when the movement to start. Shifting the Academy started because those nominees were so bad compared to oh what the year 1999 was. Just tone deaf. And like obviously, like we came to realize the Academy had far greater problems in the sub- subsequent years. We but have. like, yeah, after that, you start getting some. Like, I, I don't know that the Academy of 1999 would have nominated, say, Lord of the Rings, which is right, you know, right, 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 which right, is right. a huge success just a few years later. Sure, so. it is. It is interesting. I mean, listen, The Sixth Sense was an enormously successful film, and I get, and we also, will have our, also, our discussion. Yeah, about it, but. as much as I love Sixth Sense, a very weird nominee. It's a yeah. weird nominee. Yeah, though there it was. American Beauty was an obvious nominee, and Insider was a fairly obvious yes. nominee. The other three movies were very strange. Um, especially, I don't know if you guys remember, like there was a moment where they thought Cider House Rules was going to win. Yeah. So, well, that's that's the wine scene effect, and we can talk about that when we do our Oscar. Episode, I, I, but, we I we mean, can't mention his name, but um, <laughs> He's but we are coming back. So we're coming back next week with the Green Mile. We're going to we have a guest, yeah. uh, Teddy Bressman. He's a writer on Future Man. He is a you know famously not famously he was um, <laughs> his Twitter profile before this was a screenwriter with no credits or talent but now he has a credit he's a writer for Future Man and he uh, he's going to come on he's going to talk he about has, the Green Mile he has, he has talent he has a story to tell he claims to have a story to tell I can't wait to have him on he's one of my oldest friends um, I'm excited to I mean I, listen I have not seen the Green Mile since 1999. I saw it in the theater with mm-hmm. a good friend of mine, Dimitri Stubos. I remember us sitting in that theater and it feeling like eternity. Yeah, last forever. Buckle up. We're I'm, gonna- glad, I'm glad that your friend had a good story, so now he has to watch all of The Green Mile now. <laughs> I don't want to give away the story, but I, it has nothing to do with Green Mile. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, Jesus it just Christ. Has to do with, it has to do with 
the oh situation in which he saw Green Mile. Okay, but he'll, cool. Listen, here's the thing that, that the thing that I remember sitting in that theater hitting me so hard was why did Darabont go back to this well? Yeah. So soon after the Shawshank Redemption. Like it's just it's I, another Stephen King like depression era prison movie. <laughs> like, it's super weird. It's bizarre. But I really wanted more because you know the Shawshank Redemption. I was, Shawsh- I was a Shawshank kid. I think like you know I was a Shawshank. Like kid. some people are Star Wars kids. I was a Shawshank kid. That oh, yeah, truly more than almost on. any. More a, than Star Wars. Oh, not that's not even close. But I was oh Shawshank was my favorite movie of all time. Me too. I love me Shawshank. Too. I'm not shitting on Shawshank. No, I would call myself a Shawshank kid over a Star Wars kid. Oh, it's not even a question. Yeah, it's an absurd comparison, but okay. I get well, what I mean, I wasn't a Star Wars kid. I mean, like I didn't even get into Star Wars until Star Wars did the um, the re-release. The re-release. I have absolutely seen the Shawshank Redemption more times than any Star Wars movie. I might have too, quite frankly. <laughs> now I'm starting to think I'm a You're Shawshank, Shawshank kid. Maybe I'm yeah. a Shawshank kid. I, I, think I, mean, I, I think that's a thing. I think it's a thing. The Shawshank – I mean there's a reason that we'll it's have like t-shirts number, number on our two website. on IMDb. I'm it's, a Shawshank kid. God. I mean we're not the first people to do the Shawshank thing, but it's the most unbelievable thing. It's a great me, movie. That that movie is, is up there with the, the Godfathers and the Star Wars and the Lord of the Rings and Shawshank. The right. other Tom Hanks movie in 99 is a vastly superior movie, which what is, is it? Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2. Is it only those two? That's it for 99 for him. We'll do Toy Story 2 one day. We'll do Green Mile next week. We will. We'll see you then. Todd, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for coming It was great on. to be here. I hope to have you on again. It was especially great to not have to do the Green Mile episode. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on. This though. is an 82 minute movie. Like, <laughs> yes. In and out. Great. I will, I will come back anytime. Fantastic. Thank yeah. you, Todd. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.